Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. This week, or oh, this week was amazing. I was joined by Marina Pfeffer, who is co-founder and pledger of a community called Generation Pledge. So I love the work that Marina does in Generation Pledge, which is a community of inheritors that are committed to seeing being a force for good in the world. But I also loved her trajectory into how she got into establishing this nonprofit. Marina is a fourth generation family business owner, but she's always been passionate about human development and social impact. She started her career as a psychologist, but along the journey, I don't want to spill the tea, spoil the story for you, she discovered that social impact would be at the forefront of her life. And so I'd love for you to tune in, get your favorite beverage and enjoy. Hi, Marina. Welcome to The Connected Generation. I'm so excited to have you today. Hi, Nikkei. Really nice being here. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much. Amazing. You have a really interesting journey. Can you tell us more about Marina, how you got to where you are today? and what led you to start Generational Pledge? Yeah, thank you for opening the space to talk about myself um, in the first place. So I was born in Brazil. Brazil is one of the most unequal countries in the world. And I grew up into a family being fourth generation of a family business. So it was as if my life inside my house and my life in the streets were completely different experiences. And being Brazil, one of the most unequal countries in the world, inequality and different ways of living really stood out to me. And it mm. did not pass marginally by me. It caught my attention. And this was very formative for me since early days. And I had many questions around like, how is it that we have such different ways of living? Some being so serious with a lot of suffering mm. and the narratives behind the way that we perceive these different ways of living. So it was if things that I heard in environments that had more money, the narratives around different realities was very different than things that I heard outside of these environments. So my big question in life was, how is it that we become individuals with specific mindsets? And mm. this mindset being the raw material for decision-making in companies, in public policies, so what is the relationship between one individual's mindset and the way that we make decisions that affect system change, that affect a collective? So this took me to study psychology at university because I was very intrigued by this unit of a person and the mm -hmm. collective change that we create. The first 10 years of my life, they were very much working on the ground with very vulnerable situations, um, working in prisons, working like in the streets with people who were living in a homeless situation, working with public policies, but very much on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain moment of my life, when I was 24 years old, I started to participate with my family on programs for future shareholders education. And that was a big aha for me because I understood that I was given a chance of having influence, having access, 
and being enabled to work within a platform that has a lot of potential that mm -hmm. I would not have that if I had only been born into another family. So when I understood this, I pivoted my career and it came with discomfort. But at the same time, I knew that that was what I had to do if my drive in life was to do as much as impact as possible. So I did more sessions of therapy than I was used to do. And I really like gave a step up to the plate and like honing my own story. And mm. I started to work at a Brazilian multinational. So I left what I was doing with public policies and NGOs and shifted into the business world, into corporations, learned a lot of other skills that I did not have before. At first, I was working in the holding group and then I went into a real estate company. That was very interesting, like to learn new skills. And at the end of this period, I had done work in different sectors. I had the psychology piece, the behavioral sciences piece. I had the impact training because that was what I had been doing for 10 years. And also a lot of training on family dynamics, governance, family business because of my family. So I looked into these three fields of science and I decided that I wanted to connect them. And I thought mm -hmm. that that would be my added value to society even more so than working within our family business, which at the moment was my hypothesis for what I understood that would be my biggest impact. So when this period of having left the multinational ended, I understood that there was something very specific about my journey that I could deliver to the world. And there is something that speaks a lot about who I am, which is even though my past experiences before Generation Pledge, I felt very engaged with them, very passionate about what I was doing. At the same time, I lived daily with the frustration of not being able to work with systems and doing transformation that could really be structural. Mm. So Generation Pledge was born from a desire to be able to tackle that level of a system mm. change. And this is the first time in my career that I feel relief in knowing that if successful, the work that we're doing will be able to answer some um, structural problems and really address system change. Wow. Wow. There's so much to unpack there, but <laughs> in the interest of time, I'll just make a comment. You said when you started the future shareholders education, you kind of had an aha and it was when you reflected and realized that you could use the influence, the access and the platform from the family to really make an impact. And then it was then you started to see how the different elements of your life, the mindset, the systems change, the passion for impact and the platform for the family was kind of like a platform to soar. You could have chosen to stay in the family enterprise, right? And there are many that feel kind of compelled to stay. What do you have to say to them that choose to or feel obliged to stay? Yeah. So if there is one thing that I learned over time is that we have to unpack the obligation feeling because when we come from these families, like there is so much on top of us that makes us feel that we have to, there's so much patterns, so many of them that yeah. one thing that I believe deeply is that we have to at least have freedom of thought to make sure that the choices that we're making, they really speak to who we are. If the choice of the person is to stay inside the family enterprise and if the person can bring an impact lens into that, I honor that. I really mm. praise that. I think it's mm. beautiful. 
But what I understood is that would not be my story because of, mm-hmm. well, actually because of one strong reason, because my personality could deliver more to the world outside. I like wow. to work at a global level. I like to work with mobilizing people. I like to envision the future. Like this is who I am. And there were things in society that were not happening that I felt the calling to deliver. So that was because of my story. But I really, really appreciate and I see the value of those who want to keep player in their family enterprises. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about Generational Pledge. You kind of touched on it, but tell us more about what Generational Pledge is about. Yeah, so Generational Pledge was born because Sid and I, Sid is co-founder to Generation Pledge, we saw a problem in the world. So if we're looking only into SDGs and the gap of investments addressed to SDGs, there's a gap of $2.5 trillion annually in the world. Wow. And SDGs are, they aren't even exhausted in the cause areas that need to receive capital for impact capital. And on the other hand, if you look into the collective wealth of the ultra high net wealth individuals, so those who have be above $30 million, we have $32.5 trillion collectively owned. And the last report of 2018 shows that that's only philanthropically speaking, the money that was transferred to philanthropy in the world, that was less than 0.5% of this wow. yeah, wealth. So if we consider, for example, impact investing, the number won't even grow too much. Mm-hmm. So we had a huge problem in the world. And on the other hand, we had a very strong solution and a full untapped potential there. So when we saw that, we said, let's do something about it. And plus, we know that inheritors, the ones who are going to receive this capital in the next years, they will be the demographic in the world with the biggest potential of transformation. And they are neglected today. So there isn't existing platform that supports inheritors in learning what can they do with all of the resources that they're going to receive. So when we saw that, we were really struck by the facts and the figures and we decided to create Generation Pledge. So Generation Pledge is a growing community for inheritors all over the world. It's a global community for those who commit to doing the most good with all of the resources that they have available. And to join Generation Pledge, there are two pieces of commitment. The first one is at the moment that you inherit at least $10 million, you commit to giving effectively in the first five years, at least 10% of the total inheritance. And the second commitment is learning the poly capital approach. So how mm-hmm. can you social capital, political capital, career capital, and financial capital to start moving the needle towards impact now in different possibilities with businesses, for those who still have operating companies, with financial investments, philanthropy, and your career. So this is how we structure Generation Pledge. And we, as a team, we support people in fulfilling their pledges and doing that effectively with community, with impact on training and content and accountability also. It's amazing how you staying true to your story led you to build something so amazing and just what the world needs. Because had you conformed, like you said, 
it wouldn't have been your personality. And as you rightly said, you wouldn't have been able to maximize the impact on the world. So I really applaud you for co-founding or founding rather Generation Pledge with Sid. It's really incredible. So I wanted to know what common challenges do inheritors face as they seek to become givers? What do you usually see when they join your community? What are they struggling with? Yeah, that's a very good question. We find some patterns. So navigating family dynamics is a very common one. And that can be broken down into different subtopics. One is how do we create space inside the family to talk about questions that can be really challenging. The day-to-day routine has a type of a rhythm, like a more accelerated rhythm. But if we are to talk about impact, that is a type of conversation that requires a specific setting and it's really hard to do. So by impact, we are really talking about the future. It's impact for us is not philanthropy or impact investing or ESGs. We're talking about what is the impact of our actions that we want to create? So what is the future that we would like to build? So it's a meta conversation. It's Mm. a very big picture conversation. And to have those conversations, we have to open ourselves with courage to ask questions, questions that might be confronting. So Mm -hmm. what we see is that the challenge is to open space for thinking with what we call the diamond spine attitude. And the diamond spine is making sure that you keep yourself together, facing questions that otherwise would be backbreaking. So how do you create Mm -hmm. that attitude, like a diamond spine attitude to ask the hard questions? looking inside and looking outside. One other thing that we find to be very common is that the journey sometimes is very lonely. So people who commit to Generation Pledge, even though they might not be experienced in impact, when we talk, we identify that people have this intention of being someone that delivers impact to the world. So some of these people have been very lonely in their experience within family and possibly within community and society as a whole. Mm. So that is very deep. One thing that I suffered from and I learned over time that is not uncommon at all is the feeling of separation that comes together with guilt and Mm. guilt from being from a family that owns wealth and a sense of separation from the world. So it takes us a lot of time like to reconnect and rewrite this experience, bringing meaning into our lives by doing different things. And another one that is easier to address, and this is what we're trying to do with Generation Pledge, is I want to do good, but Mm. I don't know where the best sources of information are. Mm. So I have the intention, but the resources there are so out there, spread, How can I make sure that I'm tapping into quality information? So with Generation Pledge, we do a curation. We do vetting, a lot of vetting to make sure that we connect offer and demand in a high quality way. You said some really striking points, particularly the piece, the first response on the fact that in families, we don't really have conversations about impact and having to be able to create space, the meta to think courageously and confront ourselves with these questions, it's really tough. So 
How do you help inheritors try to get through that and ask themselves those courageous questions? We created a model inside Generation Pledge. We call it the LEB model to support people in this journey. So first of all, like people go through it themselves and then we can support in working with the family. So the LED model is look with courage. So people look inside and people look outside. Then the next step is envision the future with excellence. So to support people in their journey, we created a model that is a generation pledge model that we're very happy actually to share with other people. It's the LED model. So the look, the first step is look with courage inside and outside. And we support people with specific and curated questions so that we can guide them in answering all of these challenging questions. The second step is envision with rigor. So after we confronted ourselves and looked into the world, how can we dream about a future that we would like to live in, in a way that is robust? And the third step is build with excellence. So how do you make sure that you have the right partners, that you are fueled by the good methodologies, those that either have evidence backing you, or if you don't have that evidence, that you have a strong rationality to be able to do that. So this is a way that we found to support people in thinking about impact and really asking the questions that can shift and can change our behavior, which actually is a translation of the way that we think. And when people go through this process, they feel much more enabled um, and strengthened to have conversations within the family. Incredible. Really, really incredible. You mentioned the polycapital approach. Can you explain to listeners what that is? Because I think traditionally, I know that as being in a business family, I always focused on financial capital. And then over time, I became a little bit aware of social capital. But can you explain all the different types of capital and how you seek to harness all of them together? So we crafted, we forged this concept, polycapital, because what we understood by working with inheritors is that financial capital is probably the easiest one for us to think about. It's the most obvious one. Mm -hmm. And it is also the one where we have more research and information gathered together to understand why does it work? When does it work? How does it work? But if we're thinking about creating the future, these are other capitals, so the ones that you were mentioning that, they can really even outweigh the financial capital if they are well applied. The thing here is that we have to learn how to use them well. So social capital is how do we use the access that we have? How do we use the influence that we have to be able to use our voices, bring awareness to certain agendas? be close to people who have decision-making power? How can we tap into networks that we have access to, to bring influence into that group of people? How can we use, for example, our relationship to institutions, being like financial institutions and those who have the demographic of the wealthy population in them? So this is really how to use the privilege of having a voice and the privilege of having access to work on that and in a deliberate way. The second type of capital is political capital. So how do we 
take positions both formally as well as informally to make sure that we can think about this field of the political influence. And it doesn't have to be only into politics, but it's mm-hmm. really like the decision making. So that could be, for example, into businesses also, not necessarily government. So that is one that we tend to be very, very strong. And we know that pressure, advocacy, awareness, it does move the needle. So mm-hmm. that is the second one. And financial capital. And the fourth, which is normally not spoken about, is our careers. Mm. And that can be very diversified. So we could have people, for example, thinking about if I do not have to make money as a living. So if I come from this family and if I can be very free to choose my career and having the drive building as much possible, what would I be doing? So that is a real privilege, using your career to do the most good that you can. And finding a sweet spot between what you're good at and what the world really needs. So the type of career that we could be thinking about, they are very diverse. So we could be thinking about people who are working in institutions that have a huge possibility of driving change. We could be talking about people inside family businesses as executives. We could be thinking about myself, like a organization to influence other people and really create like a system change. So we find career to be a very strong capital also. And it's the first time I'd ever heard it was within the community. And it really blew my mind because it then opened up possibility. Like you said, they're creative ways to make an impact and not necessarily linear paths or traditional careers to really make an impact in the world. So that's really incredible. So my last question for you, Marina, it's been amazing talking to you. What legacy would you like to leave? So our mission in the end of the day is a bold one, (laughs) is changing the culture around inheritance and Mm -hmm. changing the culture around multi-generational wealth. Because we know that as a demographic, collectively speaking, we have the chance of making a big change in the design of the future. But this Mm -hmm. is not given. We have to learn how to capture this value. There is a promise of a value, but we have to learn how to get it with our own hands, become owners of the story and really write the future that we would like to live in. So the legacy really speaks about a collective impact. And if we think about ourselves individually, Sometimes it's too overwhelming because the problems, they are too complex. But if we think about the potential that we have into a collective field, then we can really mobilize and influence in a way that is mind-blowing. So the legacy that I would like to have in the world is shifting from an individual to a collective type of thinking and really owning our story and making sure that as generation of inheritors, we capture the value that we can have. It's really laudable. It's so, so amazing. And if anyone would like to get hold of you, how best can they reach you, Marina? Please write directly to my email. Happy to connect to whoever is interested in speaking more, learning more about Generation Pledge. My email is marina at generationpledge.org. Very happy to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been an honor having you today. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much for inviting me.
if you're a regular listener, you'll often hear me talk about how I'm really passionate about agency and autonomy. And what I really love about Generation Pledge is that they have a two-pronged approach, which is ensuring that inheritors commit to backing effective causes with their financial inheritance. But also the second prong, which I think is actually more powerful, is for inheritors, as soon as they join the community, to mobilize all their capital beyond just financial, so social, career, political, to start making the greatest impact before and after inheriting. I think there's something quite powerful about that in the sense that a lot of inheritors might feel kind of living under the shadow of founders. Actually, you can make a change, you can make an impact right now without necessarily mobilizing financial capital today. You can use your social capital. We all have networks, we all have people that we have access to, your career capital, your political capital, your intellectual capital to bring about change and to start to create the world that we'd like to see. So if this interests you, definitely recommend getting in touch with Marina to find out more about the community and their mission and their vision. Um, It's powerful stuff. If we could all pull our capital together, not just financial, but intellectual, social, political, financial, we would make an exponential impact on this world. If we would just come together, it would have a tremendous transformational impact on our world. So thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care and God bless you.